0: Please turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Now, in this room, we have people who are very young, and then we have people who are no longer very young. (laughs) I kept that nice, didn't I? Some of the people who are very young are so young, they're just learning about God. But then, most all the rest of us in this room, and I don't know about who all is watching the age group, but we've been around for a while. We know about God. Maybe we don't know everything, or meaning don't understand everything, every verse in the Bible. But for those who've been here, you know, we um, we have some pretty good insight. Now that being the case, and I'll ask a question. And again, I rarely ever ask a question to elicit an out loud, some kind of verbal response from people. I, it's you know, I want you to think about these things. How many of you? know your ministry calling? How many of you know what God wants you to do? And I will not accept the answer of, well, you know, I'm only 12 years old. I won't accept that. Not at all. Because, well, Jesus, he had a pretty good idea of what he was supposed to do when he was age 12. Yes, but that was Jesus. What's the difference between you and Jesus? Well, He was, you know, the Son of God. Are you born again? Yes. What are you? Well, but He was the Messiah. All right? Granted, He was the Messiah. And that ain't you and that ain't me. But, the spiritual life of God that Jesus had is the same spiritual life you and I have if we're born again. So therefore, we do have the potential to know these things. What does God want you to do? Some people might say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old to figure that out. Get... No, no, I'm sorry. I will not accept that. There's a fellow in the Bible. His name was Caleb. I'm 80 years old, but I'm as good as I ever was. Give me that mountain. So, I'm not going to accept any kind of age excuse. Not at all. And I remember the story of a young boy named Samuel. Did he not hear God? Did he not know? Yeah, he did. So, what? what is God's ministry calling for your life? What does God want you to do? Now, I I really don't want anybody to think that I'm picking on them, but, you know, if you've been here three, four, five, six, ten years or more, and you don't know your ministry calling, there's something wrong. I mean, there's something really wrong with you. Not that you're defective, but... How many of you remember the movie Cool Hand Luke? Remember that? Paul Newman was in that movie. I think it was Struther Martin played the, the prison warden. What we have here is failure to communicate. Okay. Those of you in here who've had children which pretty much all of you, but those of you in here who have had children, and let's say that, I don't know, from anywhere from one to 30 kids, whatever, but you wanted your children to do something. You, you know, you want your children to pick up the toys or do your homework or whatever it is. And, you know, you walk up to your son and whap, slap him in the head. And he looks at you and says, why would you do that? Well, it's because you didn't cut the grass. Well, you didn't tell me to cut the grass. I didn't know you wanted me to. Whap, whap, don't you mouth off to me. Now, wouldn't you think that's kind of weird? And a daughter, you know, you go up, whap, whap. Why would you do that to me? You didn't wash the dishes. I didn't know you wanted me to wash the dishes. In other words, how are your kids going to know what you want them to do if you don't tell them what you want them to do? We've all been there. When we were kids, our parents would tell us what they wanted us to do. Maybe we liked it and maybe we didn't. But they told us. And then we in turn tell our kids... Okay, why then is there this great disconnect between us and God? Well, it's not by His choice. So then the burden is on whose shoulders, if you will? Well, it's on us. Now look here in uh, Revelation chapter 3. And look at verse 20. Now, Jesus is speaking here. and He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, let me point out, as much as I don't like doing this, let me point out a grammatical error in this verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice you see the comma after the word voice it shouldn't be there because the question okay if any man hear my voice and open the door when we hear is the assumption is you're going to hear my voice and then if you will open the door if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. For us as believers, as Christians, now all of this, Revelation, you know, the, the two and chapters two and three, I mean, this is the warnings and all to the churches, that's to the body of Christ. And so he, it's like he's saying, look, if you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and sup. It's not a matter of will I speak or not. And I know that grammatically we could debate whether that comma should or should not be there, but I'm I'm doing this for emphasis. What he's saying is, I'll give an instruction here. And then if you open the door, I will come in. So then the burden to hear and open is on us, not on him. Because he's telling you what he'll do. Then in verse 22, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, physically speaking, how many of you have an ear? Well, I got two of them, Brother Martin. Alright. And maybe, maybe one or both of your ears just not working as well as they did when you were 10 years old. In other words, maybe physically there's been a diminishing of your hearing. Jesus isn't talking about your physical ears. He's talking about your spiritual ears. Now listen. Spiritual ears never need hearing aids. Never. Hearing, spiritual hearing is always perfect. Always. And so here he's saying... He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. If you're born again, guess what you have? An ear. (laughs) You have this ear. Another way to say that, though, in this verse 20. He that's paying attention, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And that would not be terribly incorrect. It's not the actual Greek, but it wouldn't be terribly incorrect to put it like this. Now look over in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And beginning in verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So obviously this is written to Christians, not to lost people. And he's talking here about Jesus, verse 2, "...who was faithful to him, that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in, in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after." But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And then if you jump down in verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ, If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now, what's he talking about here? Well, we could read the whole chapter, but just to summarize it. He's saying, look, back when the Jews came out of Egypt, God gave them instruction and direction. However, they continually provoked him with their unbelief. He said, don't do this, but they did it. He said, do this, but they didn't do it. You know, the golden calf, for example. The uh, He said, the manna, you, you only go out uh, six days on the sixth day, gather enough for the seventh day as well. But then people went out looking for it. I mean, on and on, over and over, over and over. They provoked him. And he's saying in here twice, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice. It's not if you can hear his, in other words, the potential to hear it, the ability to hear it exists. And he's saying, if you will hear his voice, then be faithful to what he said and don't provoke him like the Jews did when they came out of Egypt. And it didn't go well for them. In essence, what he's saying is, you know, if you disobey what he says, it's not going to go well for you either. Now, we won't go way off into that, but the point we want to make is, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says. Now, if we can't hear him, meaning there's something that's it's impossible, we don't have the potential to hear him Why in the world is he talking? Why? Well, he's talking because God knows we as his children have within us the ability to hear him. Now look over in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I just jumped to verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What do you think, he was only talking to people there at that time? Well, from a prophetic standpoint, he didn't have any sheep. What I mean is, nobody was born again at that time. So are, are you saying that lost people had a better ability to hear Jesus than our ability as Christians? He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So therefore, number one, he is speaking. Number two, we have the ability to hear his voice. And number three, when we hear, we should obey and follow. So, this is us. We are the sheep of his pasture. And he's saying... Now, get this. He's saying, My sheep hear my voice. Do you see that? My sheep hear my voice. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying, You're hearing me. (laughs) But... You just may not recognize who you're hearing. My sheep hear my voice. Now look over in John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. He'll remind you of what I have said, what I have taught. He will teach you all things. Now, my experience back when I was in school, and this started all the way back in kindergarten. Kindergarten and first grade, all the way up through my senior year of high school, and then whatever college classes I taught, there was this really interesting thing that happened in in every single class. The teacher would be at the front of the room and open their mouth and talk. Every class. All the time. It was amazing. Not one time did we walk into the class and sit there, and, and then the teacher just Do stuff, but never say a word. The teachers actually spoke. And we heard. And we took notes. And we knew what page to turn to, and so on and so forth. I know, I'm being a little sarcastic. But when he says right here that the Holy Ghost is going to teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance, how in the world do you think he's going to do that? Well, we get clued in if we turn over to chapter 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Alright, there it is. He's going to speak. He's going to talk. Why would he say a word if we cannot hear him? If that potential is not there. Why speak? And therefore, since he is speaking and he is teaching, then if we don't understand things, for example, if I don't know what my ministry calling is, if I don't know what God wants me to do, well, whose fault is it? Well, we can't blame God, because obviously he's speaking. But look over in Psalm 85. Psalm 85 And here in Psalm chapter 85, just read one verse, verse 8. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints, but let them not turn again to folly. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people and to His saints. I will hear I will hear. Do you realize that's something that should be a confession of ours? I will hear what God speaks. I will hear. I make a decision. I choose by my will. I will hear what God speaks. So God is speaking. I will hear. Look in Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah Chapter 33, we're going to pick this up in verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And some people might say, well yeah, but that was for Jeremiah. Oh, I get it. So God is a respecter of persons. And he'll do that for Jeremiah, but no other hu- oh, no no not one other of the billions of humans that have lived on this planet, nobody else will he do this for. Now you know better than that. So God is saying, "Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not." God, what is my ministry calling? Why are you asking? Well, because I don't know what it is. Oh, so this is something you know not. I know what it is, and I will tell you. God, what do you want me to do? Why are you asking me that? Well, because I don't know. Oh, so you know not. So you know what? I'm bound by my word. Therefore, if you call unto me, I will answer you. And I'll show to you, I'll reveal things to you that you don't know. Like your ministry calling. Some people, this is my impression, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the impression I get is that some, maybe even a part of this congregation, really aren't that concerned about finding out what their ministry calling is, because they've reached a point in their lives to where they're serving God and they're comfortable at that place. But when it comes to finding out exactly what His calling is on their life, on their life they're not doing it. And some people create ministry callings. Well, I I'm, God's called me to the ministry of service. What does that mean? Well, I, I do things around the church. That's not a ministry calling. Well, it is to me because that's what I've decided I'm called to do because I don't know anything else. But that's not a ministry calling. But it is to me. (laughs) No, you're creating something. And the reason you're creating it is because you're looking for a way out. You're wanting to, to come up with something that will ease your conscience into believing you know. And so therefore, well, he's called me to the ministry of sound, and video. There's no such thing. Listen. (laughs) A ministry calling is a ministry calling. God does not create new ministry callings based on the development of technology. There's never been a ministry of audio-video. Never. Ever. So therefore, for a lot of Christians, This is something they're going to have to face. And that is, stop stop selling yourself short and stop making excuses. If you don't know what your ministry calling is, then admit it. And then press into it and find out. I remember one... I was talking to one guy one time about, he had gone through some stuff, man. I mean, he had gone through, people had done him wrong, blah, 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 Christians now. And I was talking to him about finding out, you know, what God wanted him to do. And he said, the problem is, I'm not sure I want to (laughs) know. Because he'd been through so much. And he was only partially serious. However, again, you can't use the age thing as an excuse. If you don't know what God's calling is on your life, you need to find out. You can't use well. I'm not as educated, or um, you know, my personality. No, no, you you can't do that. Well, I'm too young. You cannot do that. Look over in um, look in Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30. <clears throat> we'll look at one verse. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. Look at that. Your ears will hear a word behind you. Now, out of all these verses that we have read, in Revelation chapter 3, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, John 10, John 14, John 16, Psalm 85, Jeremiah 33, and now here we are, Isaiah 30. What is the common denominator in every single passage we have read? God speaks. He either speaks from the perspective of God the Father, or from the perspective of God the Son, or from the perspective of God the Holy Spirit. But He speaks. All throughout Old Testament, New Testament, He speaks. He talks. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Based on your knowledge of Scripture, not what you've heard somebody say, but based on your knowledge of Scripture, can you think of a verse where God has said He will no longer speak to His children? Can you think of a verse where God has said He will no longer speak to humanity once humanity has the Bible? Can you think of one verse where He has said that? Now, in case you're wondering, there are no verses that say these things. There's no verse in Scripture where God has said, I shall never talk to anyone again. And there's no verse in Scripture where God has said, Once you have the Bible, I will no longer talk. And yet, there are churches that teach that. I was raised in one. Once we got the Bible, God no longer spoke. Well, that means He spoke up into what? The 1600s? And then He stopped? That's what I heard. Now, why in the world would you want to go to a church that teaches you God no longer speaks? When after all these verses, oh, there are a lot more verses we could have looked at, but just the sampling that we looked at here at the beginning, why in the world would you want to go to a church that tells you God no longer speaks. Why? Because this whole issue of, you know, what is your ministry calling? <clears throat> you know what man has done? Religion as a substitute for the voice of God. They give you these personality profiles. Only they put the title of discover your calling at the top. They don't call it a personality profile, they call it discover your your calling. And then you're supposed to fill in blanks and, and color in the numbers and all this, and they add up the points, and then, oh, okay, well, you're, you're called to be a loser. <laughs> no. And then come up with, and not only that, I've seen some of these, you know, for, for $20, you get the 30-questionnaire, the 30-question questionnaire. And for $40, you get the 40-question questionnaire. And for $50, you get the 70-question questionnaire. In other words, based upon how much money you can pay, then you, have, you now have access to a specific number of ministry callings. The more you pay, the more ministry callings you can find out about. Stupid! That's a con game! Anybody out there where you, you, you've done that, if you can get your money back, get your money back, and you can use the word liar when you reply to them. Because they lied to you! And not only that, oh my goodness, You talk about being accountable before God? Can you imagine that? Humans charging other humans so that the humans doing the charging can tell you what your calling is. They're not God. And depending upon what day of the week you take that exam, one week you could be a pastor, the next week you could be a janitor. The week after that, you could be a basketball player. I mean, who knows what they've got on these questionnaires? It's a joke. A total joke. And the people that come up with that stuff, they they are on thin ice because what they're doing is saying, I will take the place of God and tell you what your ministry calling is. I have news for you. Personality has nothing to do with it. You can have a nice pastor, like me, (laughs) or you can have one that throws Bibles at people. (laughs) The point I'm getting at is this. The calling is the calling. Why would you want to go to a church that tells you God no longer speaks? But, why would you want to go to a church that believes God still speaks, but that church never teaches that all Christians can hear him. Why would you want to go to a church like that? I mean, can you imagine here you are at home and you know there's four kids. Mom and dad, they speak to three of them, but they leave you out. And you know, you're talking to, you know, Billy, Johnny, and Susie, and then there you are, well, what about me? And they just look at you, hmm. That's weird. If you're a child, you're a child, and I promise you. It didn't matter how many kids lived at home, they all heard mom and dad. Every single one of them. And why would you want to go to a church that believes God still speaks, and believes that all Christians can hear, but never teaches you How to hear him speak. Why would you want to go to a church like that? Well, look over at Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17. See, we're believing God, you know, for an outpouring and revival. But it's critical that we all are at a place to hear God, not just the pastor. Every single one of us, we have to be at a place of being able to hear God. Now, the ability as far as being born again and so forth, that's there. But, I guess you could say, developing the consistency of hearing him. All of us, you know, anyway, Matthew chapter 17, look at this. Verse 1, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. (laughs) Why wouldn't God want us to hear Jesus today? Why not? Why would He change His mind? This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. You know... If that same bright cloud filled this room right now, and the voice came forth, it's going to say the same thing. Something along the lines of, Jesus is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. It's going to be the same thing. We're a family. If we're a fam- I'm talking about the family of God now. If we're a family, why wouldn't our father and elder brother want to speak with us? You know, if you grew up in a home where you had an older sibling... And I know family dynamics are different in every family. I understand that. But it's possible that the older sibling shared advice with the younger. you know like, what? no, nah, you better not do that. Mom and dad aren't going to like it if you do that. Here, let me show you how mom and dad want you to do that. I mean, something like that. Why in the world would God, our Father... Not want us to hear Him and Jesus, our elder brother, speak. Why not? Well, see, it's crazy to think that He wouldn't. Your past cannot be changed. How many of you know that? I wish I hadn't done that. Boy, when I was, you know, 14 years old, I wish I hadn't done that. Okay, you know what? We wish you hadn't done it too. Oh, when I was 21, I wish I hadn't done. All of us in here, we have this, this huge list of I wish I hadn't. It goes on and on. Guess what? You can't go back and change those. You're stuck with them. I mean, what you did is what you did. Your past cannot be changed. Your present is happening right now. And interestingly enough, your present is a result of past choices. Simple illustration. You woke up this morning and you made a choice. Well, actually, you know, last night you went to bed. i got to get up early tomorrow and going to church. So this morning you woke up, got ready, came to church. You're here because of a past action, a past decision. So, your present is happening right now. Your future is the only unknown, except to God. He knows your future. Hey, let me let you in on something, okay? Satan does not know your future. Now, get that settled in your mind. Satan does not know your future. Oh my goodness, I get... When I think about some of the things that people have said about Satan... You know, as though they tell you he can read your mind. He can't read your mind. Listen, he can't. And there are people, oh my goodness, there are some Christians, it's almost like they want to roll up their sleeves and go at it. If you tell them the devil can't read your mind. He can too. He can read my mind. No, he can't. It's impossible. He also doesn't know your future. He doesn't know what God has planned for you. God doesn't call him in for a conference and say, Let me tell you what I got planned out for Barry. Satan says, Really? Starts taking notes. Hmm. Okay. No. <laughs> he doesn't know. Your future is known only to God. You get that? You don't know it. Now, you may have an idea. You may be thinking, You know, well. In uh, July, I'm going to be going on vacation. Okay, I get that part. But you do know that between now and July, something could change. I mean, you do know that, right? Sure. How many people had vacation scheduled, and then this thing called COVID-19 showed up, and the airlines are saying, nah, we ain't taking you nowhere." <laughs> so... Yeah, you may have a good idea what you think your future is going to be, but the, the, the actual aspect, all the details of your future, God is the only one that knows them. That's it. Now, what's interesting is that in Scripture, if you study from Genesis to Revelation, there is a really unique pattern with God as far as how He speaks to people. God continually speaks... In the future. Continually. If you go back to um, Genesis, chapter 2, you get an inkling of this. Where God was talking to Adam, and he said, Alright, now Adam, you can eat from all the trees here in the garden. However, if you eat from this tree, then you will die. The future. That's future. Right? Well, guess what happened? Well, we know what happened. We're living in the results of it. When you jump ahead a few centuries to uh, Israel, Moses, and God said, Moses, go tell these people some things. So Moses stood up and he says, Okay, guys, listen up. God says, if we do this, what he says, then all these blessings will come onto our life. But, if we do these things where he said don't do, then guess what? Curses will come upon our life. Future. Future. Over and over again. Future. God God does not tell you what you've done because you know what you've done. God is not going to show up and say, hey, did you know you're sitting in that pew right now? You know you're sitting in that pew right now. Now, granted, he may have a discussion with you about the things you've done in the past and how it's impacting you now and how it will impact you in the future. Because there were times in the Old Testament where God essentially said, I told you not to do such and such and you did this and you did that and I warned you what would happen if you did it and now here it is, this is happening and so on and so forth. But, aside from that, what you might call correction, He's always speaking in the future. He's always speaking ahead. And for us now, for every single one of us, God was there with us in our past. He's always there. And He's with you now in your future. I mean, in your present. He's here with you now in your present. But not only that, he is already waiting for you in your future. He's already waiting for you in your future. Whether that future is five minutes from now, or five days from now, or five months from now, or five years from now, or 50 years from now, He's always waiting for you in your future. Always. He's there. It's incredible. You don't have to worry about, oh boy, will God be, when I wake up tomorrow, you know, Will God be there? Yeah. He's always... You know, talk about, you know, well, you know, they're always one step ahead. Yeah, well, God is more than just one step ahead. (laughs) He's waiting right now for you and your future. Our minds can't comprehend that. However, look over in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. And once again, we're going to see an example of God speaking of the future. In Jeremiah chapter 29, pick it up in verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. "...thoughts of peace, and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart." See that? Total future. And some people might say, "Wow, well, yeah, but this is talking about the Jews when they come out of Babylon after 70 years. I, Yeah, I understand that. But the perspective, the concept is the same no matter who you are. No matter where you are. God knows the thoughts that He thinks toward you. He knows those thoughts. Which is kind of a silly thing to say. I know the thoughts I think. (laughs) But God knows the thoughts that He thinks toward you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. Okay, that right there tells you that when the, the the really bad thing happens, you know, say you get a flat tire out in the middle of nowhere, okay? God didn't do that. In other words, God's not up in heaven thinking, How can I inconvenience you? How can I ruin your day? No, no. Now we know flat tires happen, okay? I get that. But he says, My thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. An expected end. Okay, what end are you expecting right now? Because God's end for you is good. His expected end... Now, don't get all ethereal with me and say, Oh yes, the expected end is eternity in heaven. No, don't do that. Okay. Okay. Ultimately, yeah, that's it, okay. But no, he's talking about here in this life. Now, this this human on earth life. And quite frankly, some of the junk that those of us have gone through, <laughs> we might be in a mood to argue with God about this. But, is it possible that the junk we're going through right now is a result of the fact that We weren't listening to Him before. And we've made decisions that have led us into this problem that would never have been there had we just listened to Him and did what He said. Do you know how many people out there, and I've heard this before, maybe you have too, people talk about, I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate, 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 hate my job. People talk... (laughs) They just, okay, why are you working that job? Why? Well, it's the only thing I could find. Seriously? No, you've convinced yourself of that. Now, is it possible you're working a job that God never wanted you working? The answer is yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's possible. So then why did you take that job in the first place? Well, I had to find a job. Okay, I understand that. The point I'm getting at is, and this just, I mean, this gripes me big time. Everything that goes on, for many Christians now, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, everything that goes on, like everything that happens, no matter what, it's God. It's God. Well, I don't know why God me put me in this position, but I give Him all the glory. That's stupid. God, why would God do that? I don't know. He moves in strange and mysterious ways. He's wondering why you're so strange and mysterious. <laughs> but we get in this habit of wanting to say that everything, It's because of God. No. Listen. Boy, don't throw anything at me now. Alright? Everything is because of you. Everything. Everything. Everything's because of you. If it's good. If it's bad. If it's ugly. (laughs) Everything. It's because... You say, how do you figure that? Why don't you know the song? He's got the whole world in his hands. Yeah, I know that song. And that's a kind of dumb song. <laughs> if God had the whole world in His hands, it wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> He's got oh, you and me, brother. <laughs> if that were true. <laughs> no, everything. It's, it's, you know why? It's because of what you chose. Because of what I chose. There are people that if they had made the right choices, they would still be attending this church. But they made choices that ended up with them leaving. And in some cases, those choices were such to where God moved on them and said, it's time for you to leave and go to another church. Because He knew they were a problem waiting to manifest. And so you know what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Those people are gone. And who knows, someday God may bring them back. Not not everybody that's left is like that, okay? Don't misunderstand. Not everybody. But we are here today as a result of what we've done, not what God has done, because God has responded to what we've done. The perfect example is, are you born again? Well, yeah, I'm born again, Brother Martin. Okay, well, how'd that happen? Well, it was the weirdest thing. You know, I'm sitting in this bar, hiring a kite, working on my 12th, 7 and 7, then all of a sudden, God grabbed me, slapped the snot out of me, and made me get born again. It was so cool. (laughs) No, that didn't happen. I mean, you might have been in the bar as a kite. Okay, but... (laughs) The only reason you're born again is because you made a decision... To call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Your salvation, okay, what God did through Jesus for us made salvation available. But the fact that you're saved is because of what you did. You called upon the name of the Lord. Glory to God. He speaks. God speaks. And see, the decisions that we make now will set the course for our actions in the future, and those actions then set the course for the results. (laughs) Do you know why you've got people out there that weigh four and five hundred pounds? It's because of the actions, their actions, in the past. You know, it's amazing. Now, I'm being facetious here, how every overweight person claims to have a thyroid disorder. And that's not true. Studies have shown that less than one-half of one percent of the population have a thyroid disorder that makes it impossible to lose weight. So, therefore, who's to blame? Now, yeah, I know, Brother Martin, have you looked in the mirror lately? Well, as a matter of fact... (laughs) That's why we don't have any mirrors in our house. (laughs) I get dressed by faith. (laughs) Yeah, and it shows, Brother Martin, it shows. (laughs) See, our actions that are a result of our decisions... Those actions in the future are going to take us further into God, leave us at this kind of a stalemate place, or <laughs> take us further away from God. But God never changes. He's always the same. That's what we do. And and yet we see over and over again in Scripture, He speaks, He knows the decisions that we need to make right now in order to live in his expected end, he knows what we should be doing. So therefore, should we not be doing what we need to do to be able to hear him? Well, absolutely. See, we hear all kinds of voices constantly, every day. We hear um, what I call the everyday voices of people. Uh, for example, you go to a mall, and you, you walk through the mall, and you hear all the voices. Including maybe even the music playing. You hear all the voices. Alright, those are like everyday voices. You go out, you walk down the street through downtown, you hear voices. You go to the grocery store, you hear voices. Alright? It's just call them, you know, the everyday voices, the passive voices, but you're hearing them constantly. You're hearing them. We also hear, uh, the media voices. You know, TV, radio, music, so on and so forth. We hear the media voices. And then there are the, uh, what I call the focus voices. These are the voices that we look for to hear. For example, I want to hear this song. How many of you have been driving down the road and, you know, you're not really paying attention that all of a sudden your favorite song comes on the radio? What do you do? Turn it up. Because now you're going to focus on that voice. Well, I want to know what's going on with the news. So you turn the TV on, whatever news outlet you watch. But now you're focused on every single person on that news report. Those are focus voices that you, that you are intently listening to. And then you also have, well, the focus voice also. Like, like right now, this is a focus. Mine is your focus voice because I'm here doing the speaking. You know, if you're in a church... You know, well, hopefully you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I hear you. you. You should be listening, not snoring. But I'm the focus voice at the moment. But along with that, you have the voices of Satan, demons, and you have the voice of God. But then there's one other voice: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's one other voice, and that is your inner voice. What do you mean? Every one of you in here, all of us, we talk to ourselves. How many times have you done something, and you don't say it out loud, but on the inside you're thinking, wow, how could I be so dumb? Why why did I do that? You're always talking to yourself. Always. Now, the voice we need to exalt is God. Look in Proverbs chapter 3. Because, see, the question then becomes, how do I do that? And I think that's a very fair question. In Proverbs chapter 3, look at this. My son, verse 1, my son, forget not my law, or, you know, his word. But let thine heart keep my commandments, or his word. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy path. He shall give you a revelation of the next step. The next, what is the next step? That's future step. What you should do to go forward in the direction He wants you to go. What He wants you to do. He says, look at this, don't lean to your own understanding. Another way to say that, don't lean to your own inner reasonings. Don't do that. But instead in all your ways, in every aspect of your life, acknowledge him, he shall direct thy path. You do realize what he's revealing to us in here is that he speaks. He will direct your paths. He'll tell you, Okay, you need to be doing this. And you need you need to go that direction. You need to, you know, accept this or whatever it would be. He tells you. So keep his word. Keep His law. Don't forget it. Keep His word. Now look over in Romans chapter 7. Because, see, wait a minute, don't turn just yet. Hold on. (laughs) You'll notice, In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct thy paths. Uh, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Verses 5 and 6. You realize they come after verses 1, 2, and 3. You see this? So what do I need to do First. What I need to do first is not forget His Word, let my heart keep His Word, and not let mercy... In other words, not turn my back on mercy and truth. What is mercy and truth? Well, it's His, Him, His revelation, what's revealed in the Word, but then to bind His Word on the table of my heart. Okay, I do that, and what happens? Well, then I'm going to understand how to trust the Lord... In my heart, and not yield to my own understanding, my own inner reasoning. And then in all my ways I'll understand how to acknowledge him and how to receive his direction. And look at verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, depart from evil. Being I'll learn how to not be wise in my own eyes. Okay, now with this in mind. Let's see a New Testament um, shortened version of this. It's over in Romans. And it's in Romans chapter 10. And it's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See that? In all your ways acknowledge Him, He'll direct your paths. You're going to learn how to walk by faith. Now, notice this. Faith comes by hearing. Okay, praise God. What does that mean? What that means is this. I know the thoughts that I think toward you to give you an expected end. I will speak unto you words of peace. I will tell you which way you should go. I will lead you into all truth, teach you all things. Faith comes by hearing. So, I I know what to do. I know living by faith is living by the Word of God. That's what it comes down to. But, I know what to do. Faith comes by hearing. I know what to do. Why do I know what to do? Because I've heard what I'm supposed to do. But then, how do I get my hearing? Hearing comes by the Word of God. You say, okay, well, I've heard that verse so many times. What are you saying, Brother Jim? What I'm saying is this. The Bible, the Bible is a revelation of how God speaks from Genesis to Revelation. It is. This is how God speaks. Now, what happens is this. We get into the Bible. We we just, just read. Just keep reading, reading, reading. And you know, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, you gotta be kidding me, begat so-and-so. Okay, and 20 cubits by 30 cubits by 50 cubits by what is a cubit? Okay, all of it. All of it. This is God speaking. Now, He's put it in print form so we could read it. <laughs> Do you realize that the potential is there for us to have. I mean, our minds, our human minds are so powerful, we could have the entire Bible memorized. There, honestly, I've heard stories of people, you could say, okay, um, Proverbs 8.16, boom. They'll quote it to you. I knew one guy, a preacher. I don't know if he had the whole Bible memorized, but this guy was, I've been in services with him. And he, <laughs> it was Dick Mills. He could call you out and say, you know, Bob, here's what God says in, you know, uh, Psalm 28, 13. Now, in the King James, it says this. And in the New International, it says this. And in, I mean, he would just go on your, you're like, how in the world? Oh, yeah, this guy was incredible. The human mind has the ability to have the entire Bible memorized. But guess what? We don't have memorized. Yeah, that's right, the entire Bible. So, thank God for this. Thank God for this. So what happens is, this is, this is God's life in written form, His manner of speaking. So now, we get into this more and more, and we read more and more. We keep And I'm not saying you have to memorize the whole Bible. You just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. And what happens is, it begins conditioning our ears, our spiritual ears, to hear Him speak, because we'll recognize the method and the pattern in which He speaks. You, You get this. That's why it says, faith comes by hearing. Okay, I hear what God wants me to do. You know, When you know what he does, what he wants you to do, do it. Don't tempt him as in the day of provocation, what we read back there in Hebrews. And his faith comes by hearing. So I hear what God wants me to do, then, because he's speaking to me, not about doing something in my past, and not about, you know, doing something this instant, he's talking about my future. I know the thoughts I think for you, thoughts of an expected end. My, I hear what he says, so now by faith I can do what he says, because I know what he said. And then he says, if you want to develop your hearing, one of the things you need to do is get into my word. Hearing comes by the word of God. So I get into the word, and I read, and I read, or I listen to it, I hear it being read to me while I'm driving, whatever the case would be. The word is sown, the word is sown, the word is sown, and I am conditioning my born-again spiritual ears to hear God speak, when He speaks, call unto me and I will answer you. Okay? I'll call unto Him, and I'm, I've conditioned myself to hear Him. In, look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. See, we read in John chapter 14, and in John chapter 16, how that the Holy Spirit will uh, guide us into all truth, And teach us all things by speaking to us. And then we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So, what did God say? We read it earlier. How that, you know, if you call unto me and, and so forth, and in essence, you know, you spend time with me and listen, you know, I will show you things you don't know. That, that's, we just read that a little bit ago. And here, he says you're speaking mystery. What is a mystery? It's something you don't know. But the mystery has never been or was never intended to remain a mystery. It's supposed to be something that gets revealed to us. We're not going to go back and read it, but if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you'll see that how that God reveals these things unto us by His Spirit. By His Spirit. And so here we see that I'm in chapter 14, verse 2 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I'm in communication, spiritual communication. Well, in fact, if you look in verse 14, it says... For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth that my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, as I'm praying in tongues, my human mind doesn't understand the language. But there's something going on in the realm of the Spirit. So I'm in divine communication with God as I'm praying in tongues. Now look over in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we'll just look at one verse. Verse 16. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit... Beareth witness with our spirit, our born-again spirit, that we are the children of God. That phrase, beareth witness, in the Greek, it's talking about somebody standing up and giving a testimony. So the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit, you're God's child. He speaks. He speaks. And so therefore, between the Word of God and praying in tongues... What we're doing is developing our spiritual ears, if you will, our ability to hear God, and it, it tends to, um, if you will, amplify God's voice, whether He's speaking as God, the Father, God, the Son, or God, the Holy Spirit, it tends to amplify God's voice above every other voice that's out there, all those voices I mentioned earlier, including our own inner reasoning voice. It begins to amplify his His speaking to us so that we hear Him. Worship plays a role in this as well. Because worship helps to sensitize our born-again spirit to His presence. And I think we all know that by now. And we become more aware that, yeah, He's here. As we pray in tongues, let, let me give you a Here's a way to start doing. You know, obviously read the, read the Bible. Just read. Just read. It doesn't matter what book. Just read. But, open the path of communication by praying in tongues. We just read in 1 Corinthians 14 2. If anybody speaks in an unknown tongue, speaks to God. When I pray in tongues, you know, my spirit is praying. Open that line, that channel, that path of communication by praying in tongues. And just pray for a while. Like, at least. I mean, at least five minutes. Just sit and pray in tongues. Just sit and pray in tongues. And just stop. And start listening on the inside. Well, I did that the other day. didn't hear a thing. Okay, well, do it again. Keep doing it. Because remember, we're training ourselves to hear God. I tell you, I've never heard God my whole life. Okay, we're training ourselves to hear God. Because this is something that's totally foreign to humanity. Lost people, they don't go around talking about hearing God. We get born again. We've got a new spirit. We never had that kind of a spirit. Never had that kind of a life. Never had the spiritual ears to hear. And so we have to go through this training process. You get into the Word. Feed the Word. Feed the Word in. in. Just keep feeding the Word in. You pray in tongues, keep praying in tongues, keep praying in tongues, keep praying in tongues. And then, you know, you stop and just listen. And always, 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 always have a pen or paper. Listen to this. A pen and paper or or computer, something there where you can document what he's saying. In Psalm 46, 10 and 11, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge you pray in tongues pray in tongues sit down i mean at least 5 minutes you can go 15 20 minutes an hour 2 hours whatever but you pray in tongues you're opening that path of communication with him and then you just stop praying and listen and eventually you're going to come to the place of hearing him and it may not be this great long dissertation it may only be four or five words it might only be two words it might be three words I love you. That'll be worth every moment of praying in tongues. And then other times, (laughs) he may say a lot. That's why you have to be ready to document it. You have to be ready to to write it down because, now now listen to this, when you write these things down, you are writing the gospel of your life. You're not writing the scripture. But you're writing the gospel of your life, what He wants you to do. And trust me, the gospel of your life is going to line up with the standards in the Bible. And the gospel of your life, that's you. That is for you. It's your calling. It's how He wants you to fulfill it. It's what He wants you to do. And some of the things that you're going to write in the gospel of your life, they're going to take place and then move on to the next page to the next chapter now some people would refer to this the gospel of your life as your life's blueprint it's the same thing it's what God is revealing to you and part of this whole aspect of the blueprint or the gospel of your life during a church service and this has happened here to where you know i come up here or somebody else is up here and we give you a prophetic word from the lord but in that particular prophetic word, it's almost like the Holy Spirit or, you know, Jesus, God the Father. I mean, it's it's like God is saying, hey, 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 listen, listen to this one, this one. This one is absolutely for you. I mean, every word from God, it, you know, is for us. But sometimes something gets said, and God wants you paying special attention to it. Right? That's something... You're going to want to add to the gospel of your life, or your life's blueprint. And this is all about finding here—it's—it's it's learning to hear God, know He's calling on our lives, and knowing when He wants to do His will. We have to—we have to be at that place because where He wants to take us, we've got to be in a position of hearing Him. And granted, I've encountered some people. It's like they're having these conversations with God 24-7 and some of the things they say are really weird. Judge everything you believe God has said by His Word. Judge it. And God's not going to tell you to do things that are stupid. You know, like the barbershop story. You know, Pastor Dave used this as an example. Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, got to talk to you. What is it? Well, you know, God told me to get up and go down to the barbershop on Monday and stand there in front of the barbershop because there was somebody going to come by there and and that I was supposed to witness to them. And you know what? I got down to the barbershop. The barbershop's closed. Why would God do that to me? Why would He tell me to do that? And Pastor Dave said, God didn't tell you to do that. He's not going to tell you to go down and witness to somebody who's never going to be there. He's not going to, going to tell you to go down to a store that's not even open. No, you made a mistake. But you can learn from it. And the more that you do this is the more you're going to come to the place of clearly hearing God, knowing He's calling upon your life, and knowing what He wants you to do. That is, if this is what you want. But don't ever use any excuse... For well, I just don't know, because God still speaks, and all of us can hear Him speak. Maybe you're here and and you say, you know, I or maybe you're watching. You say, oh, I have, I definitely accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am born again. The problem is, you know, I've never, well, I've never prayed in tongues, and that's not that's not a big deal. Religion's made it a big deal, but it's really not a big deal. Because when you pray in tongues, that is a gift that is given to you by the Holy Spirit. And it literally is a miracle. The ability to speak in a language that is unknown to the human mind. You have to use your tongue, your lips, your breath, your physical human energy to speak it forth, but the Holy Ghost is the one that gives you the language. And, you know, if you're here right now or watching and you've never received that gift that you'd like to, then I'm going to lead in a prayer right where you are. Right where you are, watching this at home or wherever. I mean, this is something that you can experience if you really want it. And God is not going to force you to do this. Because as I lead you in a prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and receive that gift of praying in tongues, at the end of that prayer, I'm going to start praying in tongues. And then what you do is you start praying in tongues with me and you might go, well, what, what do I say no it's you that if you are trying to figure out what you say then that's you doing it you just begin to it may not sound like me it you may think well it just sounds like baby talk or something like it's it doesn't matter it's what the holy spirit is giving you at that moment but you have to open your mouth and you have to do it and if you Uh, are standing there and you're saying if you just keep repeat that prayer after me and then you start saying things like I love you Jesus I love you Jesus I love you the Holy Spirit's not going to interrupt you no you have to stop speaking in your known language and then start speaking in that language of tongues so right now I'm going to lead in this prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues And you can just repeat this um, after me. Those of you that are already filled, if you want to join in as support, go right ahead. But dear Lord Jesus, You are my Savior, and I thank You that I am born again. And I ask You right now to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I receive You, and I ask You to give to me the gift of praying in tongues. I receive that gift from you, and I declare that my mind will not create confusion, but I will pray in tongues. And I will do it now. In Jesus name, Amen. And and if you just received that gift, just keep praying in tongues. Just keep praying in tongues while you're listening to me. As you're praying in tongues, what's happening is the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. He is working a miracle in your life right now. And the more that you spend time praying in tongues is the more that He's going to be able to confirm to you that this truly is a gift from God, that it's not something that you're just making up because you think you can. No, this is a gift from God. And if you continue to pray in tongues, then you're going to continue to receive this edification that comes from praying in the tongue, in spirit, and then you'll also begin to learn more effectively how to hear God speak to you. Now, if uh, if you do not have a copy of Pastor Dave Roberson's book, The Walk of the Spirit, The Walk of Power, that book goes into intricate detail about the benefits of praying in tongues. And if you don't have a copy of that, you can download a PDF version for free at uh, DaveRoberson.org. And uh, it, you'll, you'll see the link to it right there at the uh, page. Or uh, we can send you a hard copy if you want. We have some here at the church. But again, it's important for you to spend that time praying in tongues and, and developing that sensitivity to the Spirit, to the voice of God, so that you can hear Him. Praise the Lord.